Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that on this day, so many years ago, you sent your son in front of the people to ride in as they lauded him and shouted their praise, Hosanna to the King of Kings. God, as we lift our voices this day, we give you thanks. You've sent your son into our lives to change the world with his grace, with his love, with his forgiveness. And so, Lord, we ask that you continue to transform our hearts and our minds with all these gifts that you give to us through your Son, our King of Kings. In the name of Jesus, amen. So when I sat down to write this message uh, earlier this week, I was immensely distracted. I went to the coffee shop that I normally go to, and uh, to my surprise and my delight, it wasn't as packed as it normally is. And so I was able to kind of sit in my usual spot, which is where I like to get my writing done. And I sat down and took my computer out and, and my Bible out, and I was just preparing to, to gather all my thoughts that I had about this passage. I'd been thinking about it for over two weeks, and so I was just trying to put it all together, and I felt like as soon as I sat down, I was just going to get to writing. And so I grabbed my coffee, and when I finally sat down, it was about 12.55. And I sat there staring blankly at my screen. And about 15 minutes went by, and nothing was written. And eventually, I heard uh, those exciting words come in through my headphones. It's time for baseball in the Bronx. Uh, this past Thursday was Yankees opening day, and so I was a little distracted when I sat down to write my sermon. Uh, this is also kind of a moment of confession because uh, Lauren now knows what I mean when I say sermon writing isn't exactly a linear process for me. Nonetheless, uh, I share that because I was pretty excited about opening day, and yet for all the excitement I had about baseball and the Yankees being back, it pales in comparison to the excitement I have about today. Uh, today is a day of excitement and celebration and joy for all of us as followers of Jesus. And uh, in a unique kind of way, it's also like our own version of an opening day. Today begins with an exciting celebration of a week-long journey that we walk together through a story that will take us on a roller coaster of emotions. We'll start today with our joyous celebration as we lift our voices together on this Palm Sunday. And then over the course of the week, we'll slowly begin to experience uh, the depths of, uh, of our sadness, of our brokenness, of our sin as we get to Good Friday, which feels like the lowest of lows. And all of that then culminates with an even greater celebration next week as we celebrate Jesus and his resurrection. And yet, as I've said to you throughout this season of Lent, it's so important for us not to skip ahead. It's important for us to, to take in every single moment that, that we've heard over these last few weeks and every moment of this story here and now. And so today, we're going to celebrate. We're going to lift our voices high and sing praise and give thanks for all that God has done. And I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate than to look back and to actually talk about what God has been doing these last five weeks. That as we journey through this season of Lent, what does it look like for us to get to this point, to this celebration? How did we get here? So beginning five weeks ago, we started in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 4, where Jesus is led off into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And Jesus withstands that temptation, and he uses the word of God as the sword of his spirit. And in that story, we learn that even though we may fall into sin and to temptation, Jesus defeats those things for me and for you. 
And so uh, Jesus walks through that experience with us now, just like he did once for us. And then in week two, uh, we recapped one of the more familiar stories that really has perhaps the most famous verse in all of Scripture, as Jesus has an interaction and a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a rabbi priest. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night in the midst of a deep spiritual crisis. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus says those words from John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Those words changed Nicodemus' life. In the same way that they change your life and my life, and they resonate with us as we hear this message that Jesus has come to save us all, that he loves us. This proclamation that salvation through Jesus is for all people. And then uh, in week three, we got to see Jesus step into the life of a woman who had basically everything going uh, against her. She was an outcast of society, and all she was doing on that day was going to get a drink. But Jesus comes and meets this woman at a well, and he speaks words of hope and redemption into her life. He breaks down every cultural and religious barrier that could have stood between them as he speaks these words of hope and tells her about living water. Water that will not only satisfy her physical thirst, but will satisfy and restore her soul. And this water goes on forever and ever. It's the wellspring of water that flows out of him. And then uh, the week after that, we heard the, the most perhaps famous miracle, particularly in the New Testament, where Jesus raises a man back to life. The raising of Lazarus as Jesus steps into this story. And he meets Mary and Martha in the depth of their grief. And before he brings Lazarus back from the dead, he proclaims the promises of the resurrection. He tells them that the resurrection is theirs here and now. And then he goes on to bring their brother back to life. And then last week, you heard uh, that incredible story about Jesus meeting a man who was born blind and restoring his sight. And in the midst of that story, things kind of get a little squirrely because uh, the people can't get past the fact that Jesus did something. He did this healing miracle on the Sabbath. And so ultimately, to a certain extent, these people miss out on what Jesus was actually doing. It's not until we get to the end of that story that we see that not only was Jesus giving this man his physical sight again, but he was giving his soul a vision to see Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so uh, if you happen to miss church at any point of the last five weeks, you're caught up. Welcome back. Good to be with you. And along with those stories we heard on Sunday morning, we also got to experience uh, some different kinds of stories in our midweek worship. Uh, during uh, these five weeks in the season of Lent, every Wednesday night we've had an opportunity to hear stories of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here at St. Andrew uh, in the midst of a series called Walks with Jesus. And we got to hear the stories uh, of Pastor Mark asking people how Jesus has walked with them. Now, if you haven't had a chance to see those, they're on our YouTube channel, and, and you should go check them out. But either way, in the midst of all of those stories, we got to hear from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, people that you know and that you sit next to and that you talk with about how Jesus has walked with them. And in each of these stories, there were moments of, of great joy and immense sorrow, of moments of spiritual warfare and moments of spiritual growth of moments that highlight the depth of our grief and our sadness, and moments that also came as signs of hope and relief. 
And in the midst of hearing all those stories, we got to see Jesus walking with the people around us and perhaps be reminded of how he walks with us too. And so uh, whether you realize it or not, over these last five weeks, we've heard a ton of different stories in which Jesus is walking with us the same way he walked with people in the Bible. And all of those stories then have brought us now to this moment, to this, this great moment of celebration, to this great moment of joy. Because in a unique way, Jesus was leading us here. Everything that Jesus was doing was to bring us to this moment. We heard stories about Jesus walking with people in the past and in the present. And everything that he talked about, everything that he did, brought all of them to this point. It ties all of our stories. There's this this moment of convergence where all those stories come together and meet here and now in this story from John's Gospel in the 12th chapter. All those stories come together to lead us forward to see that everything that Jesus was doing has brought us here and now. The stories and the lives of those people are here for us. And they meet Jesus as he rides in on the donkey on that day. And this point in the life and ministry of Jesus marks a significant transition. See, because uh, while Jesus continues to walk with us, the difference now from here on in, in the midst of this story, Jesus is now walking for us. And there's a difference between uh, someone walking with you and someone walking for you. Or, or doing anything with you or doing something for you. When, when someone is doing something with you, there's a sense of, of unity. You are doing this thing together, trying to achieve uh, the same goal. But when someone does something for you, they are taking the lead, and perhaps you are the one who is receiving what they are doing. Uh, for example, a few weeks ago after a baby shower, my wife Lauren called me on her way home and said that she had some things that she needed to take care of around the house. And in the midst of our conversation, I shared that we also needed to go grocery shopping for the week. Now, uh, I should point out that uh, when Lauren and I had first started dating and in the earlier years of our marriage, going grocery shopping was something that we always did together. You know, when you're young and in love, grocery shopping is just another romantic opportunity for you to walk the store halls together and all that good stuff. But things have changed now. We're still in love. Things are still good. However, going to the grocery store, not really that all romantic anymore. And so uh, in the midst of our conversation, knowing that she has things that she wants to do around the house, I know one of the things I can do is get out of her way and at the same time go to the store for her and then come home and cook. Even though this is something that we enjoy and like to do together, something I did with her, now it's something I can do for her and for our home. And I'm sure many of you have uh, similar stories and things where uh, that kind of balance happens in your own life as well. And at the same time, I can't help but notice that so often in our lives when someone does something for us, uh, there's often uh, this question in our heads about why they did it. And I think that's because we live in a world where there's just kind of this uh, spoken or unspoken expectation that when someone does something for you, eventually you are going to do something for them. And sometimes that comes out of the goodness of our heart, but more often than not, I think it's because uh, we're wired to just ask questions about why would anyone do something for us and not want anything in return. I think if you've ever had that moment when someone does something for you and, and you ask what they want back and they say, oh, you don't need to do anything, 
like a little alarm goes off in the back of your head and you're kind of like, what's going on here? What's their ulterior motive? Why did they really do this thing? No one does something for you and doesn't expect anything back in return. And yet that's what we see happen here with Jesus. This distinction between Jesus walking with us and now walking for us is so important because as Jesus walks for us, he does it in a way that nothing else in this world can compare to. And this is vital to to catching what Jesus is doing here. We have to see this distinction because if we don't, the stories that we've heard over these last five weeks aren't nearly as powerful or as important. But when we see this shift in what Jesus is doing, it changes everything. Because Jesus walking for us highlights that he is the only one who can make this walk. If someone else had performed the signs and the miracles that we talked about, if someone else had had ridden into the city on a donkey, if, if someone else had claimed that they were the son of God, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have changed the world. But when Jesus does those things, it's different. He is the only one who could have done those things for us. No one else could survive the pain and the affliction and the beating, and the crucifixion as he hung on the cross. No one else could die and be buried in a tomb, and then three days later rise from the dead and proclaim victory over sin, death, and the devil for all of eternity. No one can do the things that Jesus does for me and for you. All of those things are things only Jesus can do, and he does them for us. Everything that Jesus does is for me and for you, and he does it because he loves us. And in the midst of this story, as we walk with Jesus on this day, we see just how far he is willing to go to show us his love. Because Jesus loves you so much that he dies for you, for your sin, for your guilt, for your shame. Jesus dies for you. And Jesus rises for you. Jesus takes death head on for you. And he defeats death for you. To bring you salvation. To save you from your sin. So that you can live a new life. That is his promise. That is the guarantee that Jesus makes to me and to you. And that's why today is a great day of celebration. Because as Jesus rides into the city on this day, we wave our palms and we give him thanks and praise for all that he has done and all that he is going to do. We celebrate the many ways that Jesus has walked with us. And we turn our focus to the fact that now he's walking for us. And so uh, we join our voices with the people who lined the city streets on that day. They shouted uh, those words that you heard and the words that we're going to sing throughout the morning. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's kind of fitting that we shout that word because uh, Hosanna, when you, when you look at scripture, if you go back to Psalm 118, verse 25, the writer of the psalm there writes that word Hosanna. And when you translate it, it means this. Save us, we pray. Oh Lord. So as the people lined those city streets on that day, as Jesus came in before them, 
the people who had seen and had heard all that he had done, from the religious elites to the outcasts of society, from the one dead in the tomb to the ones dead in the spirit. As they gathered on that street that day, they shouted these words. They had seen Jesus's power to redeem, to restore, to bring victory, to bring hope to their lives. And they said, save us, save us, save us, Lord, we pray. As we gather on this Palm Sunday, we shout those same words. As people who come together and who have seen the work of Jesus in our lives, who have witnessed what it looks like for Jesus to walk with us and to walk with the people around us, we've listened to the stories, we've watched and we've experienced the power of Jesus and his grace to redeem, to restore, to bring hope to our lives, and we shout those words, save us, save us, Lord, we pray. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to ride into the city, and over the course of this week, he is going to change the world forever. And so today is a day of celebration. Today is a day of excitement where we look back on all that Jesus has done and all that he is going to do. And as we lift our voices and say, Hosanna, we remember that the one who walks with us is the one who now walks for us. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. As we continue in worship, I invite you to stand as you are able.